Right. Well, welcome everyone to Tuesday's podcast, um, the podcast post-sermon. So uh, we've got Matt on holidays today, so we can basically do what we like here today, but I'll introduce you to our panel in a sec. But before we start, um, we'd like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as, um, as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. And we also pay respect to elders past, present, emerging, and for their care for country, land, and seas over the past thousands of generations. So in the seats today, um, with Matt away, guys, what, um, maybe you can start thinking about what sort of things can, can you say when Matt's away. Anyway, we've got Nick Mail, who's way down the South Peninsula. So it's, it's good to see you here, Nick. Nick, it's been a little while since you joined us. Can you remember when? Oh, it's been a while, yeah. I think I think it was about a month ago. Yeah, so not too long. Mm, as as yeah. soon as I was like, oh, no, wait, she has been here. And then <laughs> John, John Bignall from Linda's Farm, the Holy Island, and uh, and, and Herbert from the, the smartest place in Tasmania, Cambridge. Cambridge, yeah. <laughs> so, which is great. Um, I, I, I lived in Oxfordshire for 18 years and the rivalry between Oxfordshire and Cambridge can actually get violent. Um, so, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> anyway, different Cambridge. <laughs> There's not, not that many uni students out there, I don't think. All right. So, guys, welcome. What have you been doing today so far? Looking at the rain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, we Again. managed to... We managed to do our walk before the rain set in and even got half an hour out in the garden. We're trying to do that every day, half an hour, just to start whipping it up, whipping it into order. It's a bit chaotic at the moment. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's what, and a few other things. <laughs> nice. Nick? I've just been working from home today, so on the computer most of the day, but not too bad when it's drizzly and grey outside. <laughs> And what we should say is we're recording this on Monday afternoon. So if it's not rained today where you live, it's because we are yesterday. <laughs> so, but, yeah. So, and, and what can we talk about while Matt's not here? Should we talk about his new Father's Day jacket that he showed off at church yesterday? <laughs> he was very proud of it. <laughs> Does he bring it out every year? Yeah. Well, apparently this is, this is a new one. I wonder if he gets oh, a new, a new one. one. <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, if you're listening, you looked dapper yesterday. All right. Now, we're, we've been going through the I think a new shirt as well. Um, he, he had a new shirt? <laughs> I think a bit more had, observant. I think he had a new shirt. Then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Good. All right. Now, we've been looking at the teaching of Jesus in our, in our sermons for quite a while. Um, I was talking to someone this morning and they said, what, you're still in Matthew? Weren't you in Matthew last year? And that's true, but there was a different series back then. So this, this series, we're looking at the teaching of Jesus and we're especially focusing currently on the parables. Um, so it, there's, there's, I think it's four parables that we're doing in a bit of end time teaching or end of an end of a, I keep saying end time, end of an age, end of an age is what I'm looking for. So that's that's the thing. Now this this sermon we um, I was I was speaking this time, so I'll interview myself in a minute, and uh, then but it, it'd be nice to read through that passage first. So Nick, you've got um, Matthew twenty four. Is it? Can you remind me the Matthew passage? Matthew twenty five. So Matthew twenty five from verse fourteen, and it's the parable of the three servants in this version, but sometimes known as the talents as well. 
So it says from verse 14, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion with their abilities. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let us celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops and I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm -hmm. Great. Deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of things. It feels like we're hitting a fair bit of repetition in Jesus' teaching with this. Often it's a master going away and servants sticking around, or we had the master going away and the 10 virgins waiting, uh, or that long journey of the bridegroom and stuff. It, it they're, they're pretty similar themes through these parables. So maybe as a lead-in, um, Anne and John, do you want to give us a bit of a recap on what are some of the other parables we've been looking at? Um, oh well, uh, the, there was the uh, the, the virgins last week, and uh, yeah, and uh, uh, the um, before that it was the uh, uh, a more generic thing about the um, uh, 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 the reality of the um, end times and uh, how we often get that wrong um, um, so it's actually put together quite an, uh, a good picture of these things and for me the the theme that's run through it uh, is this thing about judgment which you brought home uh, yesterday 
that we don't like to think about judgment. We're, as Christians, we often, we're often uh, very focused on God's love and uh, um, things like that. And we don't think about judgment. And I've read, you know, the parable of the talents, how, how many times uh, in my life. And uh, this is a judgment is um, uh, not always to the fore. Uh, mm. So I, I think uh, it's been a very worthwhile uh, series. Mm. Yeah. Yes, and um, I guess a couple of the other um, parables that we've looked at in the context of waiting and the end of the age were, um, well, there was the wise servant, the wise and faithful servant who was left in charge of the household. And he, um, and compared to the, the wicked one, and the difference between the two was that the wise and faithful servant fed and cared for the needs of the people in the household, the kingdom. And uh, whereas the one who was wicked thought, oh, he's never coming back. I'm just going to do my own thing and um, uh, sort of wielded power to suit himself rather than to meet the needs of the people that he was responsible for. And uh, so there was that one. And, and then there was also the, Jesus also talked about the burglar who came in the night. And if, if, the, if, the, if the, per, the master of the house had known when the burglar was coming, he would have been ready for him. Mm. Um, but we never know. And um, things happen. Um, yeah, our lives go on as normal and that's how we just need to be prepared. We need to be ready and we need to be watching and um, and not take for granted uh, that our lives are what they are and they're going to stay that way and Jesus is never coming back kind of yeah. thing. Because yeah. if, if we knew at 2.37 a.m. tomorrow morning a burglar was coming to your house, you, you would be right ready and prepared. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to ask how you would prepare for that burger. Oh it might get a bit dark very quickly, but, uh, <laughs> but you'd be ready. And, mm. and Jesus says that, because that's the constant theme I've been hearing as well. John, you're, you're exactly right. Judgment is there in each one of them. Like um, some of the judgments that the, the wicked servant will be cut to pieces. The, the, and I don't know if that means figuratively or literally, um, one thing worth mentioning is these parables are hyperbole and it's important not to take them as literal these are a picture of what it's like what it's going to be like or what it's like to wait yeah so the judgment's rough but also that there's a consistent thing of wait and be prepared be ready um don't get caught out it's kind of a, mm. a, something i i get from several of these parables mm. are there any other themes we've been seeing coming through well, just one chapter ago, it talked about how um, two people will be in a field or grinding wheat and one will be taken and the other will be left. And it was a pretty poignant warning to be ready um, because you don't know when it's happening and you don't know who as well who's going to be going to. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to come upon people as they're just going about their day to day. And I think you drew that out in this week's sermon too, Dan. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a tricky one because it was it three weeks ago. Matt was apologising for m manipulation around this stuff of you know mm. turn or burn or fire and brimstone sort of teaching, and apologising for spiritual manipulation 
pushing people towards the gospel. But gee, there's an awkward line here of, well, there, there is, you're going to be held to account is what these parables teach. There mm -hmm. is judgment coming. You will be held to, held to account. Um, and so there is a there is a thing of this is serious, and I know it's hyperbole. It's it's Jesus illustrating what it's like. But the the point of the story is there will be accountability and and judgment. So yeah. there is that part of it, which is very clearly in Jesus' teaching. I think the the other thing is um, that is true, but when you look at the parables, the other part of it is there's a generosity that's mm. apparent in all of them you know um from when we looked at the, the sowing of the seed um the the wheat and and the the weeds growing together there's a sense in which when the when the farmer sows or the master gives out his his largesse um his is all his goodies um he's he's it, generous oh to the point which we can hardly get our heads around mm. you know when he sows the seed it isn't it's it's a it's a wide mm. casting so that anybody can benefit from the seed um you know it's the soil that makes a difference obviously um and then here you know we've got this incredible amounts of money which you can probably you can explain because you explained it really well and it's probably worth just going back over that um, Dan about exactly how generous he was um, and you know like also even in the one with the wise and the faithful servant there was enough more than enough to feed a household which was a massive you know big household so there's this grace and there's this generosity that mm. is apparent and it's like with the the, um, the virgins last week um, anybody who was in the torch-lit procession, if they were there to celebrate the bride and and, and um, the bridegroom and were part of that procession, then they were welcome in. They didn't actually get a formal invitation. They were just welcome mm. to be there. And the, one who, the ones who missed out were the ones who actually didn't take that seriously enough to be mm. where they need to be at that time. And, um, and yes, yeah, so then there's some consequences. But... Those consequences probably are made sadder um, because there was so much generous unity in the first mm. instance, so much grace. Yeah, mm. that's the that's the primary point that I wanted to get out of yesterday's sermon. It mm. is the generosity of God, um, and the, the way that we respond to God usually stems mm. from how we perceive God. So I was. I was talking with someone a couple of weeks ago who really struggled not to see God as a as a really legalistic, judgmental God. And so then their behavior is just trying not to get caught out and trying not to. So their behavior react is a reaction to how they perceive God, the father. Yeah. Um, and so if I see him as a, you know, a warm, fuzzy pushover, then I'll just take it easy because he'll be fine with me, you know, or if, if he is a judgmental God who's ruthless and heartless, then I'll be just living in an existence of fear, trying to appease that God. That's not the real God, but that God in my head. Um, and and this parable brought it out really clearly for me for the first time. It 
is that this servant had such a wrong view of the master who was generous. I love his generosity. Come and share in my happiness, he says. Um, it, but this servant just didn't see it and said, you are, you're a harsh master. And, and Nick, you read the words, you're a harsh master. You reap what you don't sow. Now, mm. it's true. God does reap what he does not sow. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's harsh. And it's just that's that's where this servant got it wrong is he saw the master as harsh and so he just tried to get away with that with the minimal amount of trouble yeah mm. yes mm -hmm. yeah any response yes, to this that? idea that uh, uh we need to uh, uh do good works uh out of fear mm. uh, is obviously uh totally uh, wrong and because uh, to the the James um, uh, passage and uh, I thought you did um, a very good job at explaining uh, that. Well, it and, does lead um, us to my main yeah, mistake in the sermon. Did, did you guys hear my mistake in the sermon? <laughs> I I talked about this passage and then I said and Paul jumps on the bag bandwagon. <laughs> let's read James. So today I said today someone came up to me and he said. Was Paul writing a letter to James? I'm pretty sure that. <laughs> it actually made my brain do that for a second too. <laughs> Hold on a second. So James wrote the book of James, which is quite surprising, as opposed to Timothy, which was written by Paul. It does get confusing, but I was just, my brain was elsewhere. That was quite funny. Sorry, John, uh, is I interrupted. that the Protestant three-step rather than the Protestant two-step? Yeah, yeah. So I, I this week I've uh, come up with this term of the Protestant two-step, which is a funny one. Does someone want to explain what that is? It's, it's the, the concept that. Um, uh, sorry. Go on. Go on. I've got it written down somewhere. Here. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's faith and and works. Uh, the, the the concept that well we're being told that we have to um, uh, there will be judgment and it's based on things that we've done but that's not how we get salvation um, yeah. is available through the atonement of Christ for his suffering and his death and his resurrection yeah. and that's where we get our uh, forgiveness from and um you know it's it's not just about works we can't work our way into heaven um, and our salvation but our salvation should produce good works and mm. it's the evidence of our really transformed life and uh, so, um, you know, it is a bit of a, a shuffle to go from. We've got a completely forgiving God and uh, loving God, and yet there's this judgment, and the, we've got a bar to jump over or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but that's uh, it, it, not how we earn our salvation. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole thing. Around this must be covered by grace as well. So the the actions uh, in our our faith life have to be grace filled. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Nick, do you have anything from your? Experience I'll probably be touching a bit on that next week. Yeah. 
John, John's obviously got a slight delay on his line, so yeah. I keep interrupting you, John, sorry. But just your experience of what, what does it mean to have faith, to be saved by faith, but also faith without works is dead? I think it's something that we all really struggle to reconcile because once we understand that our salvation is complete just in our belief and our salvation through Christ, then reconciling the fact that works should come as well, we get, I think our human minds just really struggle to reconcile the two. It's, it's one or the other, but to find the balance and to do that little two-step and a shuffle that keeps you on that line um, can be really challenging. And I think a lot of people do um, end up going too far one way or the other. It sort of ends up being this pendulum where we swing and we're like, no, it's all good. I'm, I'm saved by faith. Uh, and then we swing back and we go, oh, but that should be displayed through works. And then we get too fixated on the works and we put all of our worth in that instead. And that can't take away our salvation, but it can distract us. And I think mm. I think we lose out when we don't actually allow our faith to be worked out through us. Mm. Um, it talks about faith without works being dead. And it's for me, I'm quite metaphorical in my thinking. And I think of a, a ship that's dead in the water, a becalmed sailing ship or a, a boat that's broken down. It's It, it can't go anywhere. Um, and once your faith is actually under power, it's underway that the wind is in the sails, it, it's such an enriching experience to be on a ship that is moving. Uh, and I feel like our faith is the same when, when we allow what we believe and what's at our core to actually flow out through our works and the way that we operate and interact with others. It enriches their lives, but it also enriches ours. Um, and I think you see that when, when people have the balance, it's really obvious um, and we, we all are guilty of swinging too far one way or the other at any given time. But you, you really do notice that when people have got that balance at any given time, you sort of look at them and you can tell. Yeah. Yeah, let's stick with this for a minute because I think this is important. Um, have you guys got any experience or thoughts around that balance of works or is, are there times in your life seasons where you've got it wrong? It's a better question to ask if there are any time when we've got it right, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> all I know is that um, for me, if, if, if Jesus says, um, people will know you're my disciples when you love one another. As I have loved you, so you love, love others, love. Um, and so um, that's... I think that's the measure, and 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 the thing is, and I do like I do like that this um, parable. The master recognizes what we can do and what we can't do, and I thought you brought that out beautifully yesterday. Mm. That Jesus, that God is not going to require something of us that's beyond our capacity to do. Um, he's not. He looks at what our strengths are. He looks at the person that. Um, you know, with the abilities and the natural gifting we have, um, our capabilities, but also um, that with with the Holy Spirit at work within us, we actually receive a supernatural boost as well, which is by grace. Um, and the whole point of those is to use them to love others, to love one another. And yet we don't always. But when he calls us, into um, 
a life with him and doing things with him. He calls us according, he, call, he knows where we're going to, where we're weak, where we're strong. And it seems to me that um, that's where the, the grace is part of that, that he put, there's nothing we can't, where we are, what we're doing, yeah, we can get it wrong sometimes, but God has put us there because in our little bit of garden, our little bit of um, the workplace, our little bit of um, the playgroup, mum's playgroup, or wherever we happen to be, that's our little bit of space God has placed us in. Um, and I, I remember reading one day in um, Ecclesiastes that the most God wants of me is to be productive where I am. I mean, that's a very much a paraphrase, but um, as well along those lines, you know, eat, drink, be merry and, and do what God's given you to do, you know, be the person God's made you to be kind of thing. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, we may not always get it right, but I think we just lean into seriously doing what God you know that love business and i'm i know i'm talking here but one of the th i did read um a guy called calvin miller on one occasion and he was talking about too often um what churches will do what people will do is focus on oh don't do that i can't i have to stop doing that i have to you know I have to break this habit i have to not do this that and the other blah 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 and we beat ourselves up rather than if our if we see the mouth if we see the master as the loving gracious generous God he is and Jesus his example of love and what that looks like saying you can do this because my, I've sent my spirit to empower you then um where am I going with this I've lost my train of thought um oh shivers it's completely gone <laughs> it was a good half point though <laughs> yeah it was yeah. what was I saying <laughs> what you were saying and actually made me think i've just looked up in my i've got an app on my phone that i do my quiet time through each day and it gives you a quote and then a bible passage and then a devotion that goes with it and the quote a few days ago was if god calls us to a task he will then qualify us for the job and i it just it came back to me as you were talking just before because it's so true god yeah. will give us things that we can do and Unless we step out in faith and do them, um, we're never going to know that yeah. we're actually qualified because he actually equips us in the moment and at the time to be yeah. able to step into that calling. Um, we're not necessarily equipped beforehand. He will actually qualify us for it when he calls us. Yeah. And that's a terrifying thing, <laughs> but it's so true and we don't see that and we miss out on that unless we're actually willing to, to step out and operate in our faith, not just sit in it. Yeah, and that is, and that was the other part of the point I was going to make too that um, we can focus on what we can't do or trying stuffed up again rather than I can do this this and I want to do this my desire is to do this mm. and and when you when you work out of your desire to love God and serve God with all your heart mind soul and strength then it will flow it, it will it will come mm. yeah yeah and that from my experience um 2011 was a pretty rough patch for me. We we just had a new our fourth child, Bridie. Um, let me just put it this way: if Bridie had been our first child, I don't think we would have had a second. So she was, <laughs> she was a lot of work, and it was really a lot for me to emotionally manage. 
I was also at the time watching Fusion, the, the organization that I'd really committed my career to just implode at the same time and drop to a third of its size in a year. Uh, it was a pretty significant time and I knew that I was running on empty. So I was doing all the works that I'd always done. I was still performing the works just as I had been, but gee, it felt empty. And, and I was just running through the motions of trying to continue while I was exhausted and, and struggling spiritually and emotionally as well. And, and I think that for me, I don't want to go back to that place ever again. Um, like that, it's not a nice place to be where I'm trying, trying in my own strength to be a Christian, whatever the cost, you know, um, it, it felt well, I mean, that, I think that's where breakdown happens in Christian work, um, mm. that sort of place. Yeah. And if, when I contrast... I, th I think that's certainly... Mm. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, okay. The delay um, here is a bit difficult. Sorry, Don, I'll, I'll throw um, to you after me. But um, and if, if I contrast that with how, how does it feel when I am close to God and really secure in his love for me and, and that I am a child of God's, that I can join in this happiness, mm. that then my works is, it becomes just a natural flow on from that relationship. And so I, I'm not worried about success or getting it right or, you know, I, I don't worry about I need to be changing the world when I'm close to God because I just want to faithfully serve him in his kingdom. So that, that's the big contrast between these mm. servants for me. Mm. But, John, you were about to say something. Uh, yes, I mean, I, in my experience, the uh, I was involved in the prison ministry for eight years, and um, that was so far away from my comfort zone that it was... Uh, <laughs> impossible it's uh, scary and uh, but during that time the lesson was to to go get out of the way and let god do what he needed to do and uh, i eventually became uh, ceo of kairos and um, that was a message i was strongly trying to give was mm. that um, don't worry about the fact that uh, it's you, you've not got the right makeup in your team or something's gone wrong or whatever. If we prepared our hearts well and we brought everything to the table, God took it and ran with it. And there were so many examples of uh, things where people were frantic because the wheels were going to fall off, it's all going to collapse and, and things like that. And you know, God took what they had and turned it into an incredible uh, experience and uh, you know, a, a successful thing in, in terms of what we were trying to achieve uh, within the prison. So, it, you know, the lesson is get, get out of the way. Don't worry. Uh, it's not. It's about God working through you. And, uh, mm. and when, when you can allow that, incredible things happen. Yeah. yeah. 
Thanks, John. We, we asked the congregation right at the start of the service, what, what are the things that you have choice over? So we, this, this parable is about the master in giving responsibility to the servants. Um, just very quickly, I'll go through the money thing, but it's not about the money. <laughs> so, but but it, it's, it was a, it's interesting to put it in perspective because Jesus is telling this story to capture something. Um, it, well, I'll do it very quickly, but the NIV study Bible, you can go and read more about this. Um, but it talks about the parable of the talents. Now a talent is a talenton, which is a, just a bag of stuff. Now the original doesn't say whether it's silver or gold. Nick, I'm noticing yours that says silver. In, in NIV, it'll actually say gold um, because no one knows. It's not the point of the story, but it's this bag of stash. Um, and so one person gets one bag of stuff and the others get two and five. Now, one talent of um, silver in another place is 6,000 denarii and one denarii is a day's work. So you could actually employ a workforce of 24 people in for a year with the smallest amount that was given if it was silver if it was gold you can take a workforce of about 250 people and create this business so that's the cheap end of the scale take it up to the five bags and you, you you'll actually see jesus often does this he talks about he he makes ridiculous sizes and amounts just to make a point so I also mentioned in Matthew chapter 18, there's this, a master who the servant owes money to. Um, this servant owes 10,000 talents of gold. Um, and so this is a, enough money for a mid-sized country's national debt these days. And when the master forgives this servant, I don't think in the parable you catch a glimpse of how big that is, but for Jesus' audience, they'll be, they'll be like, what? 10,000 talents and he's forgiving it what so it's more to get that sort of emphasis and this one is the same the master is giving his servant an enormous amount of cash so it's 50 million bucks worth if if it's the larger sized bag the five talents so we're not talking about money here we're talking about resources and things you have a choice over so any quick response and then i'll flash up what the church said we could share I just think that what that says to me is even the person with one talent had so much to give and offer and do with the master had given him. It wasn't a meaningless um, amount. It's not a 10 buck note. No. And, it, and the other thing that struck me, I mean, it might be going a bit off topic here, but um, at any time in that period of waiting, he could have dug up that um, talent and he could have put it to use. Um, and he chose not to. He just, yeah. just chose to bring up excuses as to why not. Anyway. And um, maybe we'll project a bit of our own stuff onto that, the, the wicked servant. What, what would have made him bury the cash and leave it there? Any clues? I can relate to that one <laughs> because that's terrifying. Like if you think about it, someone turns around and says, oh, here's a million bucks, like look after it, make sure it, it, it goes well. Like investment is risky. Like the other two were bold in what they did to invest or to, you know, start a business and hope it grew. Like imagine if it hadn't. 
and yeah. it had gone backwards. It's like, oh, th- thanks for the five million bucks you gave me. Here's one back. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. that's terrifying. And so I can kind of relate to the the wicked servant in that, like, it's it's seriously scary to be entrusted with something so important. So, yeah, hide, hiding it or burying it, knowing that you can keep an eye on it and keep it safe, that feels like a good option sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, too, we can minimise what God gives us. Like you'll show the Mentimeter in a, in a moment, which so we, where you ask us, well, what are some of the things God's given you? What are some of, you know, uh, and there was a whole heap of different things came up. Now we can say, oh, I actually don't have enough. I don't really, can't really do any. I mean, why me? Why did, why did the master give this to me? You know, who am I to do anything with this? I can't do anything with this. Um, I don't know what he see, saw in me to, to me in the first place kind of thing. And too often I think we can second-guess ourselves. We can actually <coughs> question what, well, because we, we struggle sometimes to see what God sees in us. He sees all our potential. Mm. And too often we minimise the potential of what God actually sees and wants us mm. to step into. Yeah, because mm. right now, give me a million bucks, and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'll invest it in a house. Oh no, wait, that's not increasing in value anymore. It's probably going to lose money. <laughs> or, oh, okay, okay, well, I'll invest it in Bitcoin then. Oh no, wait, Elon Musk just pulled out of Bitcoin, <laughs> so I just, just lost half of it. <laughs> so it's scary, isn't it? It is scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't so think then, so much the amount of money; it's the fact that he was like. That's the problem. He's coming. He's coming <laughs> to get it back. He wants to give you five million bucks. That's a different. Do you know what? Yes, though? Uh, I I reckon I'm if sure. one of those. I mean, would you put it in the bank? Days with the bank system. You wouldn't put it in super. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I was just going to say, though, I reckon if one of those guys um, had invested and if, and rather than doing making five times as much, something went wrong and they did everything they could, I think the master would have been happier with that than what the other guy did, which was just very what yeah. God had given him. I and said, so. well, look, you know, you, you did the best you could and I'm happy with the best you did kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my perspective. I talk to my kids that I work with um, through my ministry and, like, I'm asking them to do something that's pretty scary, to step out and to start Christian groups in their schools and that they get a lot of persecution for doing that sort of thing. But one of the things that I talk to them about is fear and how fear can be a healthy thing but it can also be such a limiting thing. And fear, fear is something that will stop us from doing something really radical and silly Um, and hurting ourselves or hurting others but at the same time when we allow ourselves to operate in fear it becomes completely paralyzing and it doesn't allow us to do what we're called to do or what we're capable of doing so it's it's a fine line that you tread you've got to you've got to take the lessons from fear but not operate out of it um, or allow it to take over and I think that's where this servant potentially went wrong like he saw the risks and he allowed the fear to take over rather than the rational thinking and the abilities that he'd actually developed to be able to work with it. 
and often because the kingdom economy is kind of upside down from what would be sensible. Yes. Often God asks us to do things that just don't, that then in human terms, they're just not sensible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that, yeah, if, you, if you're not doing it with God on your side, then you're nuts. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with God on your side and then you're faithful. Yeah. yeah. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pop up these words that people popped in. Um, we've edited a few out because my puppy made it onto the list. Um, <laughs> so what do you have which you are able to steward for God? Yes, okay, my dog could be one of these things. My kids could use it to love their community. I don't know. But let's let's go with what's been written here. We've cut a few others out. We've, we've actually, for those who don't know, we've got a snail farmer in our church, and the word snail, came, snails came up on the list. So I'm not quite sure who wrote that on. I've cut that out just for now, but it might have been a legitimate word. But, Anne, which words stand out to you here? Oh, well, there, I guess the obvious ones are time, money, hospitality, skills, and um, somebody's life came up a lot, and knowledge. Um, and, and then there's other ones. I mean, I think money, finances, there's a d- different words, my wages. Again, there's, lot, there's different um, words that are kind of floating around the same thing. People's home comes up. Um, in different ways, a home, home, etc. In other words, there is, you know, there are some material things that God gives us that we use, um, to, you know, benefit others and the kingdom. And then there are spiritual resources He's given us that are also there, um, like um, prayer gets a mention. And then there's, I think the Holy Spirit came up. Teaching the Word of God is another one. So some of those giftings that are, you know, and those spiritual um, capacities are there. Hospitality, a gift there. Um, big hugs, so um, which and then compassion. So yes, yeah, so some of those are relationship um, capabilities, and others are, you know, about um, the spiritual resources that God gives us um, that we can use to benefit others and benefit His kingdom. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that Mentimeter graph quite beautiful when you really look at it. Um, oftentimes it's just a whole bunch of random words. But when you look at that and you think about all of the different motivations there were behind the words that people put up, that's that's actually a really beautiful picture that's been painted of things that people believe that they can then invest into others. Mm. Um, and I think that's really special. Mm. Yeah. 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 Any thoughts from you, John? Yeah, I, I agree. It's a bit of a, a um, talking point amongst the older ones in the church about the uh, Mentimeter thing. It goes too quick for them and they can't see it. And, yeah. uh, but I think it does have a, 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 a quite a useful thing. The questions are often not that simple and people are really starting to sit back and think, oh, actually this is... Yeah, what shall we put up? Because these things are the, wherever I'm sitting. There's always you know, quite some discussion about well, you know, what what, what does this actually mean? So mm-hmm. I think it's a distillation of uh, a lot of uh, thoughts and emotions, and um, it's quite worthwhile as far yeah. as I can see. Um, the specific ones, uh, they're the things about. Um, skills and intellect and energy and effort that I saw there. I thought those were 
good ones as well because mm, you know yes. we do we have what do we have we have energy and uh, and we have a, some ability that we put the energy into it whether it's sewing quilts and or taking photographs or whether it's preaching or uh, cooking or whatever you know so yeah. and we're all called to do what we can with what we've got yeah. and I thought that was uh, well reflected in that. Yeah. yeah. And what I'd like to do just to, we're coming to a close. So in a sec, I'll ask you, what would you like to leave the audience with? An audience would love to see you chat below as well where you're seeing this. But I, I, the, the lyrics for the song that the band chose at the end, I found particularly hard to sing because I really felt the depth behind them. So I'm just going to share that here, um, if I can. I just got to wait this out quickly. There we go. It's new technology for me, um, and I have to turn that on. Hang on, I'm almost there. It's very close. <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, so let me have a read through with this. It's <laughs> very small, isn't it? Okay, I'll read it, and um, you can have a listen for those who are. Some won't see the screen anyway. But it, it's um, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days and let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. And take my lips. Um, and where are I? Hang on. And take my take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. And take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Um, take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store and take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. <clears throat> take my intellect and use every power as you will choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine and take my heart. It is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Mm -hmm. So. You know, just really felt the impact of that. But any any responses we finish up? What do you mm -hmm. want to leave people with? It summed it up perfectly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're powerful, powerful words. Mm. Yeah, it's a surrender, isn't it, really? Again, it's that mm -hmm. surrendering of self to God and who we are and, and that recognition that everything we have is his anyway. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know when that was written? No, I was just about to look it up, but it says 2006, which is obviously not right because I was seeing <laughs> it. It's a rewrite of a very old hymn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, I don't know. Well, how about someone do the homework for us and pop it in the comments because I'm really interested. So, tell us when that was written and maybe the background. And who, who wrote it? Would be yeah. because yeah. one thing I love is that we are this long genealogy or family of people following Christ wholeheartedly, and that this hymn is is beautiful in that that you know I imagine 150, 180 years ago someone wrote this these beautiful words, probably mm -hmm. based on some Celtic saint of something something, and then yeah, this so that's beautiful. Anyway, someone can mm -hmm. set us straight where that came from. But I think the main thing I was left with yesterday is I really want this sermon and parable to be an encouragement 
and not uh, I'll never get there sort of demotivator. Um, and there's a risk of going either way. And I think the difference is learn of God's love and, and stay close to him. And, and I think then we enter into his happiness um, in what we do. And yeah, and I think for me too, um, uh, you know, we can minimise ourselves too easily. And we, and I guess if there's any encouragement I want to give people, it is um, God sees who you are and loves you for who you are. You are. Um, he celebrates everything you are in potential, and he entrusts he trusts you with your giftings mm. like he trusted them he said i'm giving this to you because i know you can do it um and yeah so if you can't believe in yourself believe in the man in, in the in the in jesus and and god the father and the holy spirit mm. who um, believe in you in such a deep and special way Great. Thanks, Anne. We'll, we'll leave it there for now. So keep the chats rolling in and we'll look forward to seeing you next Tuesday. Um, John's got the big sermon this week for us. John, got any um, teasers for us? Look out. <laughs> right. let's, let's leave it there. I'm happy to leave it there. So, Nashing and weeping. Nashing of teeth and weeping. I'm just going to press the end recording Oops. button. Here it comes. <laughs>